Welcome. We get to do this again. We are in this season of remembering Jesus as he comes into this week. This is Holy Week. And Palm Sunday kicks this off. During this week, uh, 2,000 years ago, Jesus is, is teaching and modeling and providing information that is necessary for people to live well in this world and prepare for the next. So all of that is coming together in this week. Next Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, it is the, the triumph, the ultimate triumph, moving in that direction. But this week, there's a lot that unfolds, a lot that goes on. Our series has to do with discovering the signs of God in everyday life. So there's a lot going on as God reveals himself every day. We see it in a sunrise. We see it in, in now in spring. We're seeing it all around us as life is, is just renewing and things are budding and blooming and turning green. We see it there. And when we turn to the scriptures, we can discover even God at work in the people around us. The, uh, uh, as God has revealed himself in the people that he's made. So his handprint is on humanity. And uh, of course there's darkness that has entered into that and turned it. But every person still has that touch. The Imago Dei, the, the hand of God, the image of God. His creative juices are still flowing through us all, and we can sense that. We can use our eyes to see. Uh, we can hear. God has created all those things for us, so every day we can be reminded of him and what he has done. We come to Jesus, and this is a sign. When Jesus showed up 2,000 years ago, it was the sign of God saying, I am here, I am with you. The things that I've told you are true. Here is my son, and he will show you. He will live this out and show you the way. And he's going to present to you the truth that you need, and he's going to deliver you by his sacrifice, which is going to occur this week on Friday. He will sacrifice his life to change things that you cannot change to make possible things you cannot imagine the, the immensity of because it is cosmic, it is eternal, it is huge. This battle that is going on, Jesus enters into it and dies on a cross. Historically, people are just, ah, so what? No big deal. Some Jewish carpenter gets killed. Romans were killing many people. He's just another one in the list. No big thing. And yet all of history, all of the cosmic future, all of eternity is changed because of that one person and his act of sacrifice. But he did it as he lived. He lived a sacrificial life. He came and lived differently to provide a model for us to see, this is what God meant. This is how this works. This, this is how we live with one another. How we can interact in community and family and nationally. We can do something better than what we've done before because he shows us a way. So, 
in this uh, message, Triumph in Tragedy. We're going to come to this. Jesus came, served, and gave. Mark 10.45 tells us, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life a ransom for many. Even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And just think, just of, of your own life. And how many of the clever mottos, sayings, and motivations in your life come from, well, I deserve a break. Uh, you know, they, they didn't look out for me. Why didn't those people come and, why didn't they promote me? Why didn't they affirm me? Why didn't they take care of me? Why Jesus came to serve, not to be served. What's the model? I just need to look out for me. I deserve a break today. I saw that on the sign. That carries us into a very self-centered view of the world. And most of the problems we have, racially, politically, and all the things that are exploding around this country and around the world, come from the, you need to serve me. I'm always a victim. I'm always getting less. Everybody gets more. I hurt. I ache. I don't have enough. They got something I don't have. And you've heard it all before. And in those moments... In those moments when you decide, I'm going to serve rather than be served, hasn't your life been better? Every time. Every time you get beyond yourself. Hasn't your life been better? Maybe not immediately, but it, it happens. And somewhere in the middle of the night, you're not all anxious about, well, they didn't, they, they didn't give me, they didn't, how come they didn't, you know, woe is me. And then all of a sudden you go, I came to serve. What's your purpose in life? Why are you here on this planet? To be served, right? To be taken care of. To be elevated. To be carried everywhere by everyone else. No. Jesus gave us a model. The Son of Man. Even the Son of Man. For even the Son of Man. Now if your rank is higher than His... Maybe you have something else going for you. For even the Son of Man came to serve. That's the model. He lived it. He lived it every day. And he lived it up to the final breath on a cross. He came. And he became a ransom for many. So that those who respond to what God has given them, the sign that is on the cross, nailed to the cross, is saying, I love you. I've loved you from the beginning. I want more for you. And let me show you how this works. Let me show you by sending my son and watch him. How does he live his life? And this statement from Mark is amazing. So if you want the central uh, main verse of the Gospel of Mark, circle Mark 10.45. That's it. And you have an idea. Jesus came to serve, not to be served.
and to give his life a ransom for many. He was rejected because if you come living life in such a way that you are living for others, you are living for God, you are living in such a way you are life-giving. The words you speak, the things you do are life-giving. They input. They don't steal. They provide life. They guide. They give hope. And still, and instead of demanding more from everyone else, and the government needs to give me, and church needs to give me, and my neighbors, my family need to give me, he gave. And his input was so terrifying, and his ways didn't demand that he was a neon sign, look at me, I'm an influencer on Facebook, or on any online he is just living his life the way god had intended with purpose jesus was rejected john 1 he came into the very world he created his creation he created the world but the world didn't recognize him the world missed it he came to his own people and even they rejected him even those that he came to live among, and they rejected him. It is an amazing thing that, that someone can come providing and giving and being the light of the world, and that is overlooked and missed. If somebody comes in doing evil and demanding self-centered things and, and expecting others and making a loud noise, and they become a hero, and they get the attention, and people celebrate and you go, wow, that is so backward. And here's Jesus, God's son, comes into the world to redirect, to re-energize, to give life. Man, I don't see it. And many of us don't either. In our world, people miss it. And then when we do glimpse it, and we catch it, and we hold on to him, we can hold on to just part. Just part. You go, well, I want some of it. But I still want to be served. I, I still want people in the government and the neighborhood and the family, you know, to serve me. And you can check your attitude anytime you go to a restaurant and they didn't do it just right. You go to shop at Walmart or somewhere they didn't do it right because they didn't look at you right. You go to the hospital, they did no, oh, that nurse, no, nah, that doctor, uh uh-uh. You probably never considered that they just lost their mother and they've been working a 36-hour shift and you just came in on top of all of that. Because, you know, by golly, you came to be served. Not to serve. What a difference it'd make. That gets rejected. Even by us. We can tell by the tone of our voice and the things we're angry about how often we do it. But he came to serve. It is a wondrous thing that he has done. And a sign of God that he is real, revealing himself, making himself known in our world. Here's something he did. He's a sin bearer. Now, Isaiah writes this, the prophet 
Isaiah 53, verses 4 through 6. This is written 750 years before Jesus comes. The prophet is talking about Jesus 750 years before this occurs. That's another sign. We have prophets giving prophecy that tell us about the events that are about to happen and why they happen. What God intends to do with this uh, act and with this person and what he's going to do for us in the process. So Isaiah says, Yet it was for our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. The Lord laid on him the sins of us all. Not in part, but the whole. He took all that we had done, all of our rebellion, all of our weaknesses, all of our tendencies, and he took all of that and he laid that on Jesus and said, My son is sufficient. My son is sufficient to carry the burden of all the sins of all people, of all time. Laid them on this, insignificant as far as the world was concerned. Insignificant man, born in a backward country, in a small town, to a couple of nobodies. And God Almighty said, no, that's the crowning event. Right there. My son. That is my sign to you that I love you, and I have something planned for you that is good, a future that you can't imagine yet because I'm going to take my son and place all of your sin, all of your failure, all of your rebellion on him, and he will carry it to the cross. He will carry your sin to set you free so that you might be healed mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and even physically. He has something in mind that is so uh, incredible. And he wants us all to recognize him, to recognize what he has done, and to live our lives following him following his model, listening to what he has to say, learning new things from him. Uh, he comes into Jerusalem 2,000 years ago on this final week. And before he comes, the prophecy in Zechariah is given. Hundreds of years before Jesus comes in to town on this day, on Palm Sunday... This prophecy, ancient prophecy, Zechariah 9.9. Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. 
So what does Jesus write in on? A borrowed, young cult. It's not even, it's not even one that, that the disciples had or that his friends had. They, they go and they find this one and they, and they just bring it. And it's, Well, the master has use of it. And the owner says, well, sure. Is that enough information for you to just let somebody have your car? Not hardly. Because God had already spoken. God had already arranged. God had already moved people. God had already put things in motion. And he knew the prophecy. He gave it to the prophet. So this is coming. Hundreds of years later, on the exact day, at the exact time, that colt is standing ready. And then that colt is taken and Jesus rides. How long does it take to break a new colt? Well, apparently about two seconds. If you're Jesus, and just ride on into town. So he does. Hear all the people. You'd think all the noise would startle this young colt. Nope. Just rode on into town. Ancient prophecies pointed to Jesus, the one who came to serve, not to be served, and give his life a ransom for many. He carries him in. Jesus is there, and during the week, some things unfold, and Jesus gives prophecies. He does this in uh, Matthew 24, and he, he talks about some of the things that are yet to come. And he lays out some, some direction that will uh, impact the people. He does it in Luke chapter 21. He does it in Mark 13. He, he gives uh, a little heads up to the people. There's prophecies that are going to have double meaning. One will be coming soon. One will be further down the road. And they will all take place. And he is giving them that information. Again, he's serving to give them uh, a heads up. You might need to know this. So in Jesus, uh, uh, Jesus in 33 A.D. tells of Jerusalem's destruction in 70 A.D. He won't be there because, you know, end of this week, some things happened. And so he's not going to be uh, living in the same body the same way at that time. Luke 21, 20. And when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then you will know that the time of its destruction has arrived. That takes place. 70 AD, the Romans have tired of the Jewish rebellions and they come to crush it. They crush the people in the countryside, then they arrive in Jerusalem and they tear it down and they destroy the temple. And then Jerusalem, or the Jewish people, are sent out in all directions, not allowed back into this country, and it's run by others until recent times. And so this is, this is the time Jesus says, you just got to know. But he's talking to his followers, and he says, you need to have a plan. If you're still around in 70, and he doesn't give them the year, he just says, when you see these armies surrounding the city, you got to take off. The Christians who heard this and knew these prophecies said, oh, there's armies surrounding Jerusalem, and they took off. And the Christians moved. They, they went to different countries, and they... Uh, they survived as a result of that because they listened to what Jesus had told them. He is giving, even in the midst of this, he knows his time is short. His days are numbered. I mean, he's down to single-digit days when this is happening. 
What do most people do when they get close to the end? They're down to the wire. They're down to months. And then you get down to days. And if you talk to people, many of them are panicked. Now, if it's because they get hit by a semi, they don't have time to worry about it. But if it's coming at over a period of time and life begins to ebb and then they die, that panic is so intense that they can barely function from day to day. And here's Jesus, days away. Who's he thinking about? You know what, guys? You see the army surrounding the city. You need to take off because we've got to keep this thing going. We've got to take care of some people. We're not done yet. We're, we're doing some more on this planet. Uh, God has started a new thing. This is a, a time for people to have a new life. This is a new creation, a new beginning. But Jerusalem is coming to an end for now. So let me tell you. So turn to Matthew 24 or Luke 21. You get a chance. Take a look. There's more. Which we will get to after Easter, but not right now. So 33 AD, Jesus is telling them about the destruction. In 70, he's still serving. He's still looking down the road. The prophecies that led uh, point to him, uh, that point to this very week, to the activities of this week, and the outcomes of this week have been given hundreds of years before. And now they're coming about. Then Jesus gives prophecies that go past his time and point to others and other things that are uh, going to come down the line. So it's triumph and tragedy as we come to this amazing week in which Jesus is teaching, modeling. He is showing the way. And he, in fact, the, the John 14, 6 is given during this. It's during this week that he says, I am the way, the life, and the truth. It's a, so a way, the truth, and life. So here, here he is. He's giving them uh, as he moves through this week, interacting with people, interacting with people who are opposed to him, giving a, a glimpse of what the future might be in heaven. This is when he says, hey, you know, don't get all uptight. There, there's lots of room in my father's house. In fact, I'm going to go there and prepare a place for you, and I will come again and take you to be with me. When's he say that? This week. He's not panicked. He's not anxious about this. He is serving. He's the Son of Man who has come to serve, not to be served, to love, to give God's message, to live out his purpose. And we get that opportunity as well. We get to live out God's purpose. If we listen to him, we do it his way, follow Jesus. He's giving us what we need. He is a sign, and we need to look to him. Triumphant tragedy. Forgave all our sins. That's going to occur during this time. Canceled the record of charges by nailing them to the cross. There's a list, a record of the very words you have spoken. The violations, the anger, 
the outburst, the wickedness, the evil, the darkness, the good, the blessings, the right, all of it. But there are charges against our actions, our attitudes, our way of doing things. Canceled the record of charges by nailing them to the cross. Made you alive in Christ. That's going to happen because of what Jesus does. Disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He did that. This is a spiritual thing. He shamed the spiritual rulers and authorities by his victory over them on the cross. He did all of that. All of that's unfolding in, in this week and in the activities and the action that happened because he was willing to listen to God the Father because he came to serve, because he was nailed to the cross. All of those things happened. Let me read to you from Colossians 2. Chapter 2, verses 13 to 15. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. So widen your thinking, your vision, your perspective. You are not just a human being who decides, I'm going to follow Jesus, I'm going to walk up that sawdust trail in the middle of the church and come forward and say, yeah, I'm going to follow, I'm going to raise my hand, yeah, I'll follow Jesus. I just determined in my heart, I'm going to pray, I'm going to follow Jesus. And it's all about you and your feelings and how things go, and then church needs to go a certain way to make you feel comfortable, and then that's the Christian life, and you do certain things and you don't do certain things based on the culture you live in. Broaden your perspective. This is an eternal event that took place. The spiritual authorities in the heavenly places who are guiding and directing, whispering in the ears of our leaders in churches and political leaders in government and affecting you and the people around you and you wonder why are they killing their own families and then murdering themselves? Where does that come from? The enemy, the dark one. Why do people do the evil at the level that they do it? There is a heavenly battle, not that good heavenly, there's another heaven in between, second heaven, where the spiritual battles are going on. There are forces, principalities and powers, authorities that this is referring to, and when Jesus is on the cross, those forces are watching. They are watching, they are mocking, they think they have won the day. And Jesus has the angels, lots, millions available to him. At any moment, he can call them in. Doesn't? He doesn't do it because he came to serve, not to be served. They are waiting, and they are waiting to attack. They are waiting to defend, and they would destroy those dark demonic forces. But that's going on. You can watch the movies. They won't show that part. Because it's all about us humans and how we feel about it and our emotions. and That's part of this story too. But it's not all the story. It's bigger. 
Which is why Paul includes this in Colossians. Yes, he took away our sins. He nailed those charges on the cross. Thank God. And then he goes after those dark forces in the heavens who stand around trying to destroy us and lead us into the, the evil that we do. We do enough on our own, but then they come help. And they want to tear down anything that God is trying to build up. They want to destroy Jesus. They want to destroy anyone who follows him. Jesus came to serve, not to be served. He went to the cross to destroy the power that they had, that sin has, that death has over you, to set you free. That's why he can say, you were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature. It wasn't cut away yet, but he came and made a difference. And God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave your sins. He takes that whole level of junk away, everything that was a dividing you from God. Everything that kept you from receiving all that good that he wants to pour into your life. Forgave all our sins. Canceled the record of charges against us. Nailed it to the cross. It's done. They're taken care of. His blood dripped down on those charges and the ink ran. It's gone. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. And he shamed them publicly. Remember the mocking they are doing and the mocking that's going on below the cross as people are down there because that's what they were doing. He shamed them by the cross. All of them by the cross. By his victory on the cross. It is an amazing thing that took place this week. We begin it all, Holy Week, today, Palm Sunday. Read the Gospels. Read the final chapters of the Gospels. And that story is told. Different, different perspectives, different views, but that story is told. And we find out what Jesus did. The one who came to serve, not to be served. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness toward us. You have shown yourself faithful over and over and over again. You care about us. You've loved us from the beginning, and you still do. And Lord, when you take away our sin, you take away that burden, that, that guidance system that keeps going back and back to that, uh, the ugly and the dark and the evil and you set us free to live a new life, to be uh, made new in you because you've taken those things away. Thank you for the hope that we have in you. Thank you that we can follow you and live a new life with new guidance, with new power. And Lord, that you have dealt with not only our human issues, but the spiritual ones around us, the principalities and powers that oppose us. Lord, thank you for dealing with them too. Thank you for this week, the reminder of this week, as we, we remember you, who you are and what you have done, and we give you the honor and the glory for it.
And together we say, Amen.